Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to OKF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from an undisclosed location. No, just kidding. I am up in Rhode Island this week, and folks, I'm very excited because This month of January is about bringing back on some of my favorite guests and friends to get their thoughts about where they are as we have turned the page on this new year and to get a sense of where they think our politics is going to take us in 2023. And so on today's show, I'm so excited to be joined by my friend, Dr. Christina Greer, Associate Professor of Politics at Fordham University. And you know, I love having her on because unlike me, she's a bit more hopeful about this current moment. And, you know, she makes the good point that being a professor and working with young people, the next generation of political scholars and leaders requires hopefulness. It requires that you can pass the baton to the next generation and hope that they take it further than you. The problem that I have isn't in my hope or faith in the next generation. It's the shit show, apparently, you know, that we are giving them to inherit. As I look at the current landscape and as I'm recording this right now, yet another scandal unfolding about George Santos that, of course, Kevin McCarthy either plays like he has amnesia or he is just that dumb or he's just that conniving when it comes to holding on to his Fisher-Price gavel, which is, you know, sickening. Because I've said, you know, I used to hold members of Congress, those elected officials, in such high esteem. I believe that, you know, they went into public service because they cared about, you know, moving the country forward. They cared about the lives of the American people and creating policies and legislation that, 
you know, would help make their lives better. But that's not where we are. And those days are long, long, long gone. But, you know, you can't help but feel sick for it, you know, in your stomach. And, you know, these latest scandals around George Santos and where he did he get his money from? Is that even his real name? Now he apparently was a drag performer in Brazil or, you know, dressed up in drag. And, you know, frankly, I could give a fuck about whether or not he you know, dressed up in drag. I just hate the fact that he's decided to associate himself with a party that is trying to turn very magical, fun, joyful performers and performances into something that is depraved. I hate the fact that you can't trust not a thing that that man has said, not about his own life or anybody else's because he's lied about everything. And that he is a sitting member of Congress that is getting access to classified documents and we don't even know who he is. And that should make everyone sick. But apparently it doesn't bother Republicans because how do they tell the difference between one grifter and liar from another, right? Uh, It's just that George Santos is just so fucking bad at it. But regardless of that, I get into a conversation this episode with my friend Christina Greer about what she thinks about where our politics is headed, particularly, you know, the latest story around Solomon Pena, the former Republican candidate in New Mexico that hired four hitmen to shoot up the offices of Democratic leaders and the fact that that is not getting the kind of mainstream media play that it should and outrage. But instead, we want to talk about 12 documents found in Joe Biden's garage. It's like, can we pay attention to the things that are important, like the rise in political violence that is being, you know, fanned by the Republican white national party? So, folks, it you know, sometimes it is hard to muster the faith and belief that, you know, young people are the future when the present is just so bleak. Coming up next, my conversation with my good friend, Dr. Christina Greer. Folks, you know that whenever I have the opportunity to chat with my friend, Dr. Christina Greer, uh, Associate Professor of Political Science at Fordham University, I am always quite pleased because she is, folks, much more optimistic than I am. Uh, And as a professor, I would assume, first of all, that you need to be. Um, But Christina, this is our first show in the new year. So happy new year to you, friend. Um, I want to get your sense of what are you feeling and thinking about our current political climate and how we kicked off this 118th Congress with a absolute shit show? (laughs) Well, one, happy new year. I love spending time with you. Two, I think I'm always, you know, optimistic because I teach young people. So I'm with the future of this country on a weekly, daily basis. So I, I feel like we're in good hands and I love Gen Z. I just think they're the bee's knees and they're interesting and they're hard scrabble. They're a lot more like Gen Z, like us, you know, because they're kind of growing up without everything. They didn't really have helicopter parents. Money's a little wonky. Like everything's uncertain. Um, and so they're kind of a transition generation the way we were from technology and yep. race and gender and immigration. I mean, so many things were going on when you think about our childhoods. Um, and same with them. It's a lot of tragedy. It's a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion. Um, so I, I really I feel good about them. As far as this new Congress, 
you know, yes. Am I worried about our democratic republic? Absolutely. Am I worried about the world and other countries that are unfortunately mm-hmm. following our suit with January 6th? Absolutely. Um, do I think that, you know, Joe Biden has done much better than expected? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that Republicans have a good chance of overplaying their hand? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be a difficult Congress because the margins are so slim. You know, we have divided government where the Republicans control the House now and Democrats control the Senate by a small margin. But, you know, you have Hakeem Jeffries, who's been under the tutelage of Nancy Pelosi for many years, and she's still there, you know, sort of serving as a shadow mentor. Luckily for the Democratic Party, uh, she's passed the baton and we're starting to think about a new generation of leaders you know, Hakeem Jeffries is early 50s, so it's not like he's a spring chicken, but like... You know, <laughs> but he is in comparison of, to an octogenarian, so I mean, we've that. got a lot of octogenarians and septuagenarians, you know, running stuff. You know, Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, Maxine Waters is 84. Like, she looks fantastic, but she's 84. You know, Nancy Pelosi, 80s. You know, Joe Biden, 80. I, I, I still don't understand why these people don't want to spend time with their grandkids, but hey, that's just me, right? Like, I would think, you know, my mom's like, I love being a grandma. She's like, you know, going to the mall with my niece, like, whatever. So I think Republicans, because they've got so many factions and they've let the inmates start running the asylum, Mm -hmm. they have created not just a dragon, a series of dragons that they are now trying to contain and quell. And these dragons have said, I will burn this country down to the ground if you don't give me what I want. Um, And I believe them. Right. I believe they'll do it. Um, But I do think that, you know, Democrats are at least trying to have a unified front. Like we do have a lot of our own factions, but the blessing for Democrats is, you know, the the progressive wing isn't ready to burn down the country to get what they want. You know, they actually sometimes I kind of wish they would. Right. But I mean, they're willing to come to the table with a good faith effort. To, to at least compromise and, and try and have a, a more nuanced and adult conversation. You know, you also just have to look at the quality of candidates the Republican Party has. Come, you have to girl, wonder, please. Get, what, get, give us a rundown of the trash. Like, what's the long-term strategy for them? You can't have a party with, you know, Laura Boebert is one of your stars. Matt Getz, TikTok. Like, you know, we, we will get to the bottom of you and your predilection for young girls, right? Um, You've got Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's like a loon. Um, I haven't even touched on George Santos, where, you know, we don't know if that's his real name. This man, but like, he's clearly mentally unstable. If you're going to lie about your mother, you're going to, you're going to lie about literally everything on your CV. And also, we're going to get to the bottom of George Santos because you can't go from making $50,000 or $35,000 and being evicted every few months to all of a sudden having $5 million and being able to loan yourself $700,000. Where is that money? coming from. Now, Republicans aren't going to ask that question because we didn't ask that question of Marco Rubio when he was able to pay off all his debt. We didn't ask that question of Brett Kavanaugh when he was able to pay off all his debt, miraculously. And this is, these are people who had hundreds of thousands of debt. So we know Republicans aren't going to do it. And the Roger Stone model for Republicans is just to like throw so many chaos bombs. We're just, we're all over the place trying to, to grab truth and knowledge and figure out what's going on. And it looks like Democrats are just being petty and going after Republicans all the time. It's like, well, y'all keep doing stuff, right? You keep breaking the law or potentially breaking the law. And we're trying to find out. 
But I think that like at some point, Republicans are going to expose themselves for the fact that like they don't have any policies. It's but just, I mean, so- but Christina, we keep saying this. We do. We keep saying this as Democrats that at some point in time, you know, the the, the American people are going to realize they don't have an agenda. I mean, they didn't put up an agenda for uh, the 2020 election. The RNC did not put up a new agenda. They said, oh, let's run it back to 2016 like it was a mixtape. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's like at what point, because we keep waiting for people to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. They they really don't have nothing. They they. They literally have nothing to offer the American people except a roll back to the 1950s, but then it doesn't happen. But here's the thing. I think you're talking about changing hearts and minds, mm. which I don't think is going to happen for the vast majority of Republicans, right? Because if you've been with this nonsense clown car since 2016, like you're in it, okay? You clearly are comfortable in it, so be in it. But I think that the Democrats are getting more and more people who, one of two things, who either were like, ah, I don't really care. Nothing really affects me. And they're like, mm, I don't know. They're starting to pay attention a little bit more. And also younger people, not all young people, because we've seen Republicans are doing very well recruiting young people to their racist, fascist ideologies. But there are a lot of young people who are like, this is not what I want. Like, I, you know, like I can have a complicated question conversation about a woman's right to choose. Like they are seeing nuanced conversations about the environment. They are seeing, it's like, my education system did fail me. Wait a minute. Like, I right. have to pay all this money to the government and, like, my school wasn't, like, my friend's school? Like, that doesn't make any sense. There are a lot of people who are putting two and two together. They're frustrated that the, quote-unquote, government looks a certain way, but they are also, they are able to decipher the difference between these two parties. Because if you look at some of the the disaggregated data for these close races mm-hmm. that we saw, which is really scary that they were close. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, we're out of the woods. We are nowhere out of I the mean, woods. I mean, we were praying about Herschel Walker. The praying man about, couldn't put together two sentences with a flashlight and some assistance. And we were praying to God that Reverend Warnock, and that not even Reverend Warnock, because we knew that he was an above average candidate, but we were pay- praying to God that the people of Georgia, after all the gerrymandering, voter suppression, and threats, that they would make it to the polls and, and and be able to do the right thing. Right. I just think, I, I, I guess, for me, it's, so if we're not trying to change hearts and minds, because you say it's a lost cause, then what are we trying to change? I think we're trying to articulate a vision to get more people off the sidelines and more present and active. Because I think that, We've put a lot of focus on national politics, but what I'm seeing and I'm encouraged by is a lot of people are getting a lot more active on local levels and paying attention on statewide levels because they recognize the pipeline. They recognize that these people hold a lot of power over their lives, and they also recognize that these people are in control of a lot of money. So While I say, and I agree with you, that the federal government and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the 118th Congress is incredibly important, I also would argue that on local levels and in state houses, people are starting to get a lot more savvy and pay attention. And I think that's what makes me a little more optimistic. I just wonder, I guess my feeling is, I do believe that more people are waking up. 
I do believe that there is a collective consciousness raising that has happened because I believe that Republicans are overplaying their hand. You have the Dobbs decision, you have rollback in, in states' ability to have their gun laws, right? Like in New York City, we saw them throw out 100-year-old uh, bans, right? Uh, it's all states' rights as, as long as it is a state that is run by a Republican, if it's a Democrat, then it, then there is no state right, right? Then the, then the Republican stooges on the Supreme Court will ensure that we're all living in an unsafe environment. My question, I guess, is, are we too late? Or is it that we are at a time in our politics where things need to burn to the ground? Do you know what I'm saying? That we are- yeah. We have, we have gone over the cliff. And so what happens right in order for the, the, the next iteration to happen is that the old one, the old systems, the old way of thinking needs to be totally and completely decimated. So is it that right? Is the hopefulness in that I just never thought in my lifetime that I would see the fire, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. where we are. So, you know, I think about this a lot. And I think this is where the two of us, we end up in the same location, but we we sort of come to the location from a different, different path. I'm more of an institutionalist and maybe even an incrementalist, right? So I don't think that it's helpful to burn things to the ground because we built some things, right? And like, And also it's like, I think of it more of a house. It's like, but we're all in the house. So like if the house burns to the ground, like we're in the house where we actually don't have the luxury of standing outside of the house. It's so I'm, true. I'm cautious about like the burn it to the ground theory. Cause I'm like, no, then we all just burn to the ground. And maybe I just don't have the political imagination as an American politics professor to imagine what that burning to the ground looks mm -hmm, like. Mm -hmm. I think if we look at sort of history and, you know, Fannie Lou Hamer and Barbara Jordan and, you know, Stacey Abrams, like, you know, these three women that I'm, kind of working on this book about right now, it's ways that you can, you can uh, take apart parts of the house room by room, but mm -hmm. not the whole time, right? So for anyone who's ever done, you know- Home renovation. A, a gut <laughs> reno, it's like, right. well, you know, I don't think we have the luxury of doing a gut reno where it's like, we just take down the whole house because we already have a second house that we can live in. We don't have that luxury. So when you do a gut reno and you don't have a second house, it's like, well, we all going to live in the living room while we're doing the kitchen, right? <laughs> and it's going to be some drawing paints. And I think we're in, we are in the middle of a gut reno. That's what I would argue. Okay. We're in the middle of it. And so how that new facade looks, how that new room looks is where we're feeling this, this tension. And you're like, listen, you know, if we've already always had this type of style, you're essentially, I think your burn to the ground is like, let's do something totally different. And yeah. I, and I agree with that, but I'm saying we got to be in the house while we're doing it. So how do we sort of figure that out? And I think for me, my strategy is to really pay attention to local and state level politics to help us get a better handle on federal level politics, you know, to pay attention to these judges that come from these tiny, you know, states or tiny courts that all of a sudden make their way up and they're federal judges all of a sudden, you know, like to pay attention to these pipelines. It's like Matt Getz didn't come out of nowhere. You know, people who become members of Congress oftentimes 
you know, spend a little time in their state house. So if you're problematic, let's cut you off before you ever get to run for Congress. You know, so like paying attention to um, the seedlings uh, before they become mighty oak. You know, speaking of which, I want to get your thoughts on Solomon Pena, who, yes, to me is a one poison apple from the poisonous orchard that is the Republican Party. Solomon Pena, folks, as as you may be coming to understand, is the uh, former GOP uh, candidate for a House seat out of New Mexico, who lost by a substantial amount, not a little bit, but over 3,500 votes, refused, refused to, um, to cede to his opponent. Um, and then, as reports are coming out, has paid four different men, as essentially hitmen, to shoot up the offices and the homes of his Democratic opponents and other Democratic officials within New Mexico. This man who had pictures at the January 6th insurrection, he was there, pictures at Trump rallies, took a page out of Donald Trump's book not to cede his loss, regardless of how big, and then has shifted to violence. Where is this headed? Christina, and how do, how do your students, right? Because when I was a student of political science, you're talking about, you know, things that were unlikely to happen or political violence that was the norm in other countries, but not in the United States. How do you talk about this moment? And the fact that I don't think that Solomon Pena is the last Oh, absolutely not. I mean, listen, we didn't take it seriously when Gabby Giffords was right. shot, right? And so the fact that we don't have a persistent, full-throated denunciation by the Republican Party on a daily basis of like, we will not have this in our name. We will not have anyone affiliated with us doing this. We will not actually ignore this. We're going to see it again. And it's frightening and it's frustrating. We have a few deadly combinations. One, mm -hmm. as you laid out, this is the Donald Trump playbook. I lose, I lose significantly, but I refuse mm -hmm. to recognize the results, right? Two, I get radicalized by the internet that tells me that I'm a victim and yep. I should actually take what's mine. And then three, which is the, the deadly trifecta, is I also have access to guns on guns on guns. Mm -mm. And- Everyone says, it's okay for me to have guns in my party and I should take pictures with them. You know, like how many female mm -hmm. Republican candidates have pictures with them and their kids around the Christmas tree with big old guns, right? Finger on trigger, which every arms teacher will ever tell you, you never put your finger on the trigger unless you were ready to pull it, right? So these are people who don't even have proper training and don't, they don't even know how to handle guns. So we have this, we have a man who, thank goodness, you know, the children who were in these Democratic homes, you know, weren't harmed. Uh, no one, one was harmed, but we have Republicans who are like, that's bad. But they're so afraid to say anything more because they don't want gun activists to come after them um, verbally or physically, 
right? They want to keep that NRA money going. They don't want Donald Trump to target them because he still can galvanize people in a in an internet space. But also, there's so many Republicans, going back to my earlier point, they have created dragons and they are desperately afraid yep. of what will happen if their own party turns against them. And this is something we've never seen before, right? We saw Donald Trump insult members of his own party. We never saw that. It's like insulting people of your other party. But there's so many Republicans now who were like, I helped create this. I don't know how to control it. So now I have to tiptoe tiptoe around. And what it reminds me of, Danielle, which is really frightening, what so many families are dealing with across the country, is that, you know, when you have these like radicalized sons who get radicalized on the internet, and you've been buying them guns since their 14th birthday, and then all of a sudden you realize your son is a threat to himself and others, but you're afraid to say anything because you're afraid that he'll turn on you. So it's like you just send him to school every day and just hope for the best. Like, this is what we keep seeing around the country with families, and now we're seeing it in a full-on political party. And I guess, you know, my feeling here is the mainstream media fails consistently in connecting the dots and, you know, wanting to both sides a situation where both sides are not playing the same game, right? And and to your point about Gabby Giffords, and I, I, I have brought this up before, you know, it was Sarah Palin that had her Democratic opponents in literal crosshairs. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the shaming of the media after Gabby Giffords was killed that then she took down that website, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but if you live in a climate now where there is absolutely no shaming, where instead they're celebrating the likes of Kyle Rittenhouse, who is a murderer, who is now a sought after speaker of the Republican Party. Oh, my God. Right. As well as as well as the McCluskey's that brandish their weapons on their front lawn. Right. Mm-hmm. During peaceful Black Lives Matter protests uh, during the, the, the uprisings. It's just like. I just don't see this going anywhere. So you tell me less question for you. When we're, you, you painted the picture of this perfect storm, where does it go and how do we brace ourselves? Well, um, I think that, you know, a lot of people are like, are we headed towards civil war? And I don't think civil war is going to look like what we think it looked like in the past. You know, I think that we're in a version of it. Um, and you know, I, I don't think that we can have like a unifying candidate president just because the right mm. wing right now is in such a tizzy and such they're under such a, I would say almost like a trance, you know, it's like, they're like Donald Trump has excavated these locusts who have been there. Mm. Uh, and we're kind of seeing like Reagan's dream become a reality and I'm glad you mentioned Sarah Palin because, like, let's not forget, you know, so much of this can be traced back to 2010 and the Tea Party and John McCain, you know, yes. introducing the world yep. to Sarah Palin and how her handlers were just like, this is a perfect opportunity. She's the perfect vessel to say and do all these horrid things um, that we've just been wanting to say, but like, no decent Republican at the time would ever touch it. You know, like, John McCain wouldn't. Never said those things out in public, but here we are, right? And he chose her, so he's got he's to be linked to her in the history books. I don't know what the next few years look like because we've been so, each election, it's been on the brink. I was explaining to, I went birding yesterday with a good friend of mine who's a literature professor. And, you know, we talk about nature, we talk about politics. 
And I said, you know, politics right now feels like when you hear that story of parents where, you know, you're older now, right? And your parents are like, hey, listen, you know, when you were 10, we didn't want to tell you, but like we almost lost the house, you know, like Mm -hmm. dad and I Mm -hmm. were unemployed and, you know, we were behind in the mortgage and you didn't, we wanted to shield you from it, but you didn't know, but like, we almost had to pull you out of your private school. And, you know, we literally almost had to go live with grandma. Right. And you had no idea. And you were just a kid living your life and, you know, happy. I feel like that's the way American democracy is, where it's like political scientists and journalists are like, oh, my God, every election could be our last. And the vast majority of the country has no idea that we're on the precipice. Right. Don't forget, for presidential elections, we've barely got 60 percent of the voting eligible population pay attention and and participate. New York City election. We barely have 25 percent like that's like hot numbers in, in New York City for the, the most important mayoral job in the country, right? It's right. an international position. Um, and same for governor's races. You know, our participation is abysmal. Now, we can talk about sort of the obstacles and institutional barriers and systemic ways that we make it difficult. But that being said, we still have a lot of soil that we could till. And the reason why I'm not like, oh, my gosh, everything's terrible is because there's still a lot of people that can be awakened. And they're, you know, anytime you teach young people, you recognize um, the ability for a different possibility. Um, you recognize that they actually can steer the ship in a different direction. They will steer the ship in a different direction. So we can provide a foundation for them. So when it is their time to do it, they can figure out how to do the gut reno. And they won't have to do it the way we've done it in the past. And they will have a different set of eyes. And they will come up with a a different creative vision. We just have to invest the time in them so that they know that we're not totally nuts and that we haven't given up. So I think we're modeling behavior. I think your passion about the future and your concern is a different um, tone than mine, but it's still articulating a vision and sort of showing them a way of being as citizens in this country who care about this country, that is like, it's really necessary and important for them to see, you know, that they can see two black women who are very invested in the survival of this nation and the people in it. And we end up at the same destination, but it's like, right. But we'll both ring the alarm in different ways and we get to work in different ways. And I think that we're giving them a vision and options of how they can get to work when it's, you know, they're starting to realize it is also their time to start getting to work. And so that's why I'm not doom and gloom, even though I'm very concerned. Do you see and like, it's, the, the slight difference? It's, it's why I always bring you on Woke AF, because uh, we all need varied perspectives and recognize that we are in a historic moment and have the opportunity to have incredible impact as this country reorganizes, reorients itself to who it wants to be. Uh, and at the same time, you know, your folks, your, your anxiousness, your frustration, your worry is in fact warranted. Um, but how we process it, uh, may be different. My friend, Dr. Christina Greer, I appreciate you so very much. And you must come back throughout the year to calm my spirits. I love spending time with you. I absolutely do. So anytime you just say the word, Larry Bird, I'm there. (laughs) Appreciate you.
That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people. Power, get woke and stay woke as fuck. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.